0: This week on the Recruitment Flex, Shelley has waved her indeed pom pom so much that they put her on a flyer. Fake it until you make it or just plain old fraud. We find out that Junko was a fraud. HR is losing its mind over removing university degree requirements and don't spy on candidates on social media. Bias creeps in when you do. The Recruitment Flex starts after this message from our partner at VanHack. Hey there, Shelley. Have you heard about VanHack?
1: Oh, you mean the HR tech sensation that's taking the recruitment world by storm?
0: That's the one. VanHack is revolutionizing how companies find top talent globally.
1: Imagine connecting with skilled professionals from all around the world without the hassle.
0: Absolutely. VanHack has a great team and seamless technology where recruiters and companies can discover talent with ease.
1: And they have a talent pool specifically curated
0: for tech professionals. Tech-savvy and globally connected, just what every company needs.
1: VanHack offers tailored solutions for companies of all sizes, from startups to Fortune 500 giants.
0: So if you're ready to take your recruitment game to the next level, join VanHack today.
1: Yeah, visit VanHack and unlock a world of talent right at your fingertips.
0: VanHack.com, where global recruitment meets simplicity. Welcome to the Recruitment Flex with Serge and Shelly. I'm Serge.
1: And I'm Shelly. And we talk all things recruitment starting right now.
0: Bonjour and welcome to the Recruitment Flex. I'm Serge. And as always, joined by Shelly. Shelly, nice do. New haircut, new Shelly.
1: Yeah, it's my summer cut. Thank you so much. That's very nice of you to even notice. I think a lot of men don't even notice. My son did, so I guess that's a good sign.
0: Yeah, it's quite a bit shorter. So I did notice something was up the minute that you came on the screen. I'm like, what's going on here, Shelly? Because you're leaving tomorrow for Germany, correct?
1: I am. I am so excited. Parker messaged me this morning and he said, your timing just couldn't be better, mom. It's a week long wine festival.
0: Oh. <laughs> <laughs>
1: it's like they knew I was coming.
0: A wine festival, so Shelly drunk in the sun. Yep. You might find a German man. I hear they're quite handsome.
1: Yes, German yeah. men, strong jawline, very handsome. So, However, I doubt my kids would approve. They'd be so like, Mom, come on. No, that's not the purpose of my trip.
0: Yes, it's I the, know. You have a higher spend purpose. Spend time with them.
1: So, yes. Serge, I got to tell you something. I know you're just going to poo this, but I got to tell you, Indeed Futureworks, if anyone doesn't know, is Indeed's biggest annual conference where they bring together their clients from all over the world. And so this year, the announcement went out that it's going to be held in Atlanta on September 20th and 21st. So I got the notification and I'm looking through the flyer and I'm like, oh my God, I know her. <laughs> They've got me on the flyer. It was a picture of me from Futureworks last September. One of the reps was giving me a demo of one of the new products coming up. And you can see on the back of my Surface Pro, I've got the Recruitment Flex podcast (laughs) sticker. We're kind of Indeed Famous, or I'm feeling very Indeed Famous.
0: No, yeah, you are Indeed Famous. And I laugh when you sent me that. I'm like, why are you sending me an Indeed Future Work? flyer like i don't give a fuck but then i look at it and who do i see shelly front and center and then i notice the trf logo on it so i think indeed listens to the podcast and they're like this shelly is our biggest cheerleader we're gonna put her right on the flyer it was great
1: it is i've gone global
0: (laughs) you have gone global the world is finally realizing the star that Shelley Billinghurst is. Yes. And other news for me, Shelley, I'm going to be recording with Adam Gordon. I'm a big fan of Adam on his YouTube show called Recruitment Enablement. So it's going live Thursday. We record here on Wednesday. So by the time you hear this episode... You can go watch it and listen at any time. There's a couple of things that he focuses. he focuses on internal corporate recruitment and what people have done to be successful, different methods, tactics. I originally met Adam when I was at Robots and Pencils years ago, and I was looking into Candidate ID, and that's where we had the initial connection. So We'll see how it works out, but if you have time, do listen in. So You're officially we'll do- a YouTuber? So Shelly, we're going to be YouTubers as well. We are bringing this show to YouTube at one particular point. I don't know when. Okay. We are. Okay. We're both going to be YouTubers.
1: So we're both becoming a little bit famous, hey, or
0: something? Well, we've always been famous, Shelley. Yeah,
1: in our own minds. Do you know, I wanted to call out something. I read this article this week and we are actually looking right now to find out who is the TA leader that came up with this brilliant idea. There's a transportation logistics company called Schneider National. They're a huge company. So I went on LinkedIn, see if I can find them. We're going to keep looking. So if anybody knows, whoever came up with this idea at Schneider National Transportation, please give us a call. Send us a LinkedIn. Give us a
0: call. What is this, 1982?
1: <laughs> call, me. call me. I'll give you my number. I'm um, all alone. <laughs> call me, 1900. So, you know what they did? There what? is a driver training simulator, and lots of companies use it, right? And yep. training drivers for very specific things. So, it's super advanced driver training simulator. So, mm. what Schneider did was they bought billboards on the module. So when you are in your simulator and you're driving down the freeway, the billboard is recruiting for Schneider. And I just went, now somebody's thinking outside the box. That is absolutely brilliant. So I just wanted to say hats off to whoever came up with that.
0: Yeah, and they have quite a, a bit of drivers that use it on a consistent basis. Mm-hmm. Thirty-five thousand players—they call it—that use this simulator video game. And you know what? When you send me the article, I'm like, "What's really that different?" I didn't get that the billboards were actually Schneider, yeah. which yeah. I I think is brilliant because talk about a targeted audience, and that's the goal. Like, how do we get in front of drivers? Go where they are at,
1: and at any point in time, thirty thousand players on the simulator, mm. like, brilliant, Great. brilliant.
0: So Shelley, on another note, we've been talking a lot about, in Canada anyways, and I think this is an issue in the US as well, is the high level of international applicants we're getting from every job. Working for a job board, I'm seeing this firsthand, and I think there's a mixture of two things. There is a mixture of people applying for jobs, hoping that someone calls them back, and it's usually pretty rare But you uncovered this article that breaks down of the 500,000 people that we're bringing into the country, who they are. So they're applying these roles proactively, which is causing a really high number of applicants coming from international, because we're getting from clients all the time. It's like, why is there so many international applicants? It's almost triple what it was like two years ago. and. This explains it is actively being promoted to these countries that you should be applying for jobs, specifically Ontario is doing this. But I think this is across the country. So if you are recruiting in Canada right now and you're getting a lot of international applicants, that is exactly the reason why, because it's happening with all the job boards.
1: Mm hmm. Excellent. Connecting the dots. Thank you so much. Yes. So let's move on to our next section here. What's happening in the industry? Uber cut 200 jobs in recruitment this week, just Mm. in recruitment. They have plans to keep their staff count flat throughout the year, and they said streamline costs. So the latest cuts account for 35% of Uber's recruiting team, but less than 1% of its 32,700 employees worldwide. First of all, I had no idea that Uber had 32,700 employees. Could you imagine how big their recruitment teams must be if they're cutting 35% of the recruitment team? You can do the math on that. So, yeah, that was big news this week.
0: Yeah, I think it's interesting because I see Uber as a recruiting company. Like, The whole basis is based on how many drivers can they recruit to be able to do the job. Without it, they don't have a product. It's not like there's a physical product that they sell. They sell drivers, right? They sell, get to point A to point B. And to be able to do that, you need drivers. And to be able to get those drivers, you need recruitment. So I'm a little bit surprised, but I think it's really a trend in the industry to make sure that Every department is maximized. I think there's a lot of bad recruiters out there, as we've talked about. So I'm not going to make the judgment that I always do is why are you cutting recruitment? I I don't know enough because as you were, I was surprised about 32,700 employees, and that doesn't count any of the drivers, which I thought it was like 100 people and 50,000 drivers, right? Like, I guess we will see what happens. A little bit surprising, but not that surprising.
1: Yeah. I think they've automated a lot of the driver application process too. Uh, Yes, absolutely. It's it's automated. It's almost self-serve because are they not hiring you as an independent contractor?
0: They are. And this is where I'm a little bit confused if the recruiters actually have any part of that.
1: Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Hmm. But Big news in the recruitment world.
0: Yeah, Shelly, you remember when we were at Unleash, we heard about this company called Junco, and I might not be saying that correctly. There was a little bit of buzz around them. So we went to their boot and talked to a young lady, and the question that we asked is like, how is this a diversity, equity, inclusion platform? And she didn't have an answer. I don't think she knew what we were asking. I think she was like a month into the job and trying to understand the industry and everything, but don't send her to a fucking conference with decision makers if she doesn't know what she's doing. Then this week, something came to the news that Junco is on the verge of closure so the board claims the CEO engaged in fraudulent conduct according to a statement from the Junco board CEO Ilit Raz was found to have engaged in egregious unethical and fraudulent conduct which caused harm to the company and its shareholders so Junco raised 25 million series B last September it was led by Insight Partner with support from Target Global Basically, what happened is the company stated that it had 150 customers. When they dug in deeper in practice, the number was significantly smaller. This hasn't been confirmed, but it was around 20 to 30 clients. So that's a pretty big gap from 20 to 30 to 150 in this particular space. The company's shutting down. I saw some comments like, fake it till you make it. No, no, this is not a fake it till you make it. This is fraud. If you're telling the board or any type of investment and you're not giving the right numbers, you're going to get found out. That's not a good way to start a business. That's not a good way to get funding. It's (laughs) absolutely insane. You know what? Good that they caught this and good that another shitty diversity, equity, inclusion platform is out. The other side, I, I feel bad for people losing their jobs and everything, but we don't need more fake platforms that actually don't do what they pitch they do
1: yeah it is buyer beware and a big part of what we do you and i Serge, and going to these conferences is figuring out what's crap yeah like when we met with or tried to meet or talk to anybody at junco it was like they didn't even know what the product was yes you're kind of like anyways so on the same topic of bad actors I caught an article. I don't know if you're familiar with a company called Tata.
0: Oh, yes. Very familiar. They're massive. They are
1: an enormous company. They do everything from peanut butter to technology consulting to tea leaves. Honest to God, they're an enormous organization. So their consultancy services division employs about 50,000 people. And one of their senior execs in HR... I think there was a total of five. A whistleblower alleged that the global head of resource management, the company's recruitment division, had been accepting commissions or basically kickbacks from staffing agencies for years. He's been put on leave, air quotes, and four other executives in his division have been fired. And they've blacklisted three staffing companies. Big scandal. Big scandal in Tata. He probably figured nobody would ever find out.
0: He had to have. Where did this happen? Where was it? I was trying to figure it out in the article. Is there a particular country that this was happening more than? In India. Okay. So there's a couple things here. The staffing firms that were offering kickbacks, like – you should be out of business. This is completely unethical and I get it. They wanted the business and it's a low cost of doing business, but they're bribes. There's no other ways to describe it.
1: Black and white, man. It's a bribe.
0: There's a couple of things that I'd be really concerned that you have someone doing this at a high level within the organization. It puts a little bit of doubt of the actual ethical and moral values of this company This is another example of bad actors in the staffing industry really hurting the industry by doing these types of things. Shame on you for staffing to doing this and obviously this dude for accepting these kickbacks. It's just absolutely insane.
1: Yes. And he did actually give people jobs, but he was bribed into who was being hired through these staffing firms. Like, this is a big black mark on him. Well, what happens to those employees? They're blameless if you ask me. Yeah. Unless they paid the staffing firm who in turn pays. I don't know. I'm sure there's a big investigation going on. So we'll keep our eyes on it, see if they report anything else.
0: Shelly, what's yeah. the tip of the week?
1: Just a tip.
0: <laughs> I'm never going to stop.
1: Do you know what? I'm just going to resign myself to the fact that you think that's funny. <laughs> what I was thinking about this week is if you're a recruiter. I wanted to come up with a couple of really good suggestions with how to get promoted. How Mm. do you move up in your organization? So I came up with three things. And I think first and most importantly, I would say always track your results. What is your interview to hire rate? What is your time to hire? What is your follow-up? What is the quality of the people that you placed? And keep track of it on your own not as part of the applicant tracking system. The other thing would be to take and put together a pie chart of how you spend your time. I think a lot of hiring leaders believe that recruitment maybe is just administration, like you post the job and wait for people to apply. I think a visual tool to take with you to your job intakes really establishes credibility. And the last one is this. If you've been with a company for any length of time, I would think at least two years or more, you've got a pretty good idea of what the critical skills are. And so to take the initiative to build out a three-year recruitment plan, what do we need to do this year to ensure that next year we're not just on this hamster wheel of just post and pray and hope somebody applies? What are you going to do differently? Developing relationships with candidates, building networks, and put that plan in front of your leader. Mm -hmm. That's working at the next level. Getting out of the transactional side of being in recruitment and elevating yourself, I believe these are three things that you can do that help establish your credibility and demonstrate that you're thinking longer term than just fill the wreck, close the wreck, move on to the next wreck.
0: Well, I think it's all really good advice. If you want to be promoted, you want to show that you think about strategy as well, right? You're thinking at a different level, just not on the tactical side. And to your point, documenting everything you do is not only really helpful when you're meeting with your boss and having, okay, here is my plan. Here's what I've executed. Here's what my days are looking like. Here's what I'm focused. Bosses love that. And as a leader in talent acquisition, I absolutely love that. And I'll I'll use that for my leaders to be like, hey, here is a perfect example of what a recruiter looks like, what their day looks like. Perfect. The other aspect of it is too, as you're documenting everything you do and you're going to the next job and you're in the interview, well, you take that document and you create a portfolio. You take the key points. Look, we implemented a new ATS. It took us 14 days. As you're going next interview, you want to prove that you've done what you said. You've done, especially in a world of AI that everyone fakes everything else. You going in being like, here's the specific proof I've done this. And these were the results. Boom, you've got a huge advantage.
1: It's your receipts. I,
0: it's your receipts. <laughs> Shelly, I was listening to Barack Obama and he was on a show and I forget what the show was, but he gave really good advice to anyone that is going into a new career There's a lot of people that can tell you how to do things or how not to do things and what's going to work and what's not going to work. Leaders really like people that just do. That's an issue for you. I'm going to take care of it and you take care of it small or big. That will be the quickest way that you get noticed and you get promoted. Don't be afraid to take on the challenge. And I think the earlier you are in your career, the more you can do this. So I thought that was great advice and tip that correlates exactly to what you're saying here to get promoted.
1: Yeah, good add on that. Thank you, Serge. So let's move into our recruiting insights. Something I found this week, I couldn't wait to show you, is companies are dropping the university degree requirement in hiring. This is published in worldatwork.org. Boss, if you're listening I know we've talked about it before. Here's what I took away from this that I thought was worth talking about to our audience. And that is, if you've worked in corporate recruitment and you've been part of an HR team where compensation decides how we're going to pay people, I can tell you for a fact that having a university degree is one of the ways in which they paid someone more. Yeah. So if we remove university degree, it explains why HR's head is exploding right about now. How will comp decide? Does that mean we actually have to look at how we value the work being done and the person doing the work? Or is it the value of the work? A university degree, I don't think anybody's going to argue, doesn't mean you're going to be any good at the job. Yeah. So attaching that to
0: higher compensation was actually quite absurd. Well, it, it was absurd, but it was easy. And that is one of the challenges, right? When I say it was easy, it is a lot easier being like, okay, if they're university degree, we're going to pay 10% more. And generally, a lot of times, they only hired people with university degrees. So it wasn't even a consideration. But where we saw maybe the difference is someone that started in a role that didn't need a university degree within that company and they would get promoted to that role that everyone else had a university degree and they were severely underpaid compared to those other people even though they probably did the job better. Not always, but I'm sure there's tons of examples. And I've seen that firsthand. So it makes compensation, not that it's an easy job, right? Like compensation is one of the hardest jobs in HR. I totally understand that, especially as it's so dynamic in a lot of cases. And you make the wrong calls when it comes to compensation. It's a difference of having the right employees or not having the right employees. So I understand that. But don't you think, Shelly, too, there's a little bit of elitist when it comes to HR folks and university degree? Because most HR folks have a university degree.
1: I know. It is generational trauma. Because when I was looking for a job, the only reason I got hired over any other candidates was because I had a university degree. So it's because I had to suffer through four years and come out with this degree and $20,000 in debt. Everyone else has to do it. Yeah. I agree. Compensation, I have always said, is the most thankless job in all of HR. No matter what you do, nobody's happy. It doesn't matter. Even if you make the right call, somebody's pissed off. Yeah. Well, everybody thinks they're worth so much more. And that's why I said, how will we determine the value of the work being done and not the person? And Mm. I get that it's so easy if the company's got 300 employees. But how do you scale this when you've got 50,000 employees, right? Yeah. Like You've got to have a system and a methodology. And the easiest, you're right, was if you've got a degree, here's part of the salary band you'll fit into. Yeah, that's going away. So more to come.
0: Well, and Shelly, I, I want to go into how university is going to change. The biggest reason why it's changing, and it's been forced, is the talent pool is just not big enough. So... This expands the talent pool. When we talk about diversity, equity, and inclusion, like I was looking at some of this data, according to research, degree requirements automatically screen out more than 60% of American workers over the age of 25 who do not hold a four-year degree, as well as 76% of African Americans and 81% of Americans in rural communities and 83% of Latino workers. Talk about shrinking your talent pool. This opens up a new world for a lot of organizations. It's going where I predicted. And I think it's going yeah. to go even more where I still don't think university in 15 years really exists. I think it'll be completely different. But it will let's. Be different. Yes, for sure. Let's move on to the next recruitment insight. On recruiting brain food, there was a great article, and this is the Talent Strategy Group. They looked at 200 organizations that submitted their org charts to this report. And What it was is basically how HR is structured. So of these 200, HR is at the top table with 86% of organizations with CHRO positions. So this is VP of HR, CHRO, Mm -hmm. or whatever the case Mm -hmm. is. The other key finding here is talent acquisition only existed as a separate function 66% of the time. So out of those 200 companies, there was 120 that talent acquisition was its own function within The HR group. Were you surprised by that?
1: No, I was surprised that it was so high at 66%. Mm. I believe a lot of organizations want your HR business partner to also be involved in recruitment and do recruitment as part of their responsibility. So I was surprised.
0: Yeah. And you know why I was surprised? Yesterday, I was at an annual general meeting of a big organization here in Canada that deals with food processing, that hire a ton of people. And one of the questions I was asking people that worked there, because there was almost no one in HR. They were all very functional in the roles they did, either in operations, sales. And I asked them, like, how do you recruit? Because you need to recruit a lot of people generally because turnover is high. Like we're talking about working in meat plants or whatever the case. And I did not talk to anyone that had a dedicated recruiter or talent acquisition. And the majority did not even have a dedicated HR person. It was payroll slash HR. And some of these companies are really well-known brands in Canada anyway. I guess I was surprised that it was so high that it's a different function because most organizations still don't see this. And in our work together, Shelly, working with companies, we have seen this firsthand too. And basically every company that we came in to consult, they did not have dedicated talent acquisition. So I thought that was interesting.
1: Yeah. Very interesting.
0: Digging a little bit deeper, and when we say that 86% of CHROs report directly to the CEO, they have a seat at the table. We've seen that firsthand, though. We have seen HR being at the table, but they're not really at the table. What was your take on that?
1: Well, they can't say that HR doesn't have a seat at the table. I think that was the only point. Like, the function of a chief human resource officer Exists So, I mean, that's good news. I think what caught my eye was I've seen it almost like ebb and flow. Like we're talking large companies where they have, yeah. they call them centers of excellence yeah. versus having HR business partners. Yeah. What this latest study found that they're actually cohabitating quite nicely. It has been argued that you don't need both. Your HR business partner should be just that. They should have expertise as a generalist. versus having a center of excellence for talent management, or total rewards, and learning and development, that sort of thing within the organization. I thought that was interesting that we've learned to cohabitate with having both HR business partners and centers of excellence.
0: So, how did you feel with the companies that had dedicated talent acquisition departments not reporting into the CHROs like Total Rewards is, even Diversity, Equity, Inclusion, Learning? They all seem to be reporting directly to the CHRO while talent acquisition reports into talent management. Not surprised.
1: Not surprised at all. We're still that much further removed from being taken as a critical part of the business.
0: How does that make sense? Because the last two years, CEOs have said the biggest concern within the organization is acquiring talent. And this is still the case in most industries, right? Why is this not changing? Why is this not changing at the pace that we feel that it should change?
1: There was a little glimmer of hope, Serge, because they said it was 50%. Yeah, of these organizations. This isn't like a deep dive definitive study, like a Gartner group or something like that. But anecdotally, it really confirms what we're seeing in Canada, in the U.S., and in parts of Europe.
0: You know what I'm going to do? I want to use a survey on LinkedIn for everyone that listens. Where does your department report to? Is it directly to the head of HR? Is it Mm -hmm. reporting to another function? And we're going to come back with the data because we have a lot of listeners and a lot of people that are in this field. So I'd be very curious to see what the data is going to show.
1: It would be fascinating. Okay. I found another article I wanted to talk about that I thought was really insightful. This study surveyed, a fairly decent sample size. What they found was over a thousand employee roles, the people making the hiring decisions, what we call hiring managers, how many of them go on to social media? Like when they get somebody's resume, are they going on social media to snoop them? Mm. 74% of hiring managers admitted that they use social media to screen candidates. And 55% of those were trying to figure out if the candidate was a good culture fit. Mm. What does that mean? Well, we know what that means. And 85% of those that used social media to screen candidates before you've met or spoke to them took a pass without getting any more information on them. So I think as long as there is social media, we will never truly become diverse in our hiring with this sort of report. I was really shocked at just how many admitted to this.
0: Yeah, I think the most shocking thing to me was 68% of hiring managers use social media to find answers to illegal interview questions. Right there, that's a big concern. We're old enough to understand that We have seen what they call backdoor reference, right? They're calling the company. Hey, I know Jim there. I'm going to call and try to figure out how good an employee Sylvia is. That is illegal. And going on social media and doing exactly the same thing is not legal. You cannot do that. It's really hard to manage, though. Like, how do you manage that, Shelley? Well,
1: that's just the point. Unless you get caught, who's going to admit to it? And how will you ever prove it? Is somebody going to pull up your social media search history and say you just spent an hour on social media snooping on the five candidates that I just sent you? Well, I think there's one check and balance. If the recruiter says, "Listen, I've screened these people, I've spoken to them, here's my short list, and here's why," and if they go on social media and eliminate someone, they'd better have a really good reason, other than I saw them on social media. Like people are clever. But I think there is certainly one check and balance that as recruiters we can do.
0: Yes. So if your hiring managers are doing this as consultant to people we work with, we have to tell them what the best practice is. And this is not a good practice. Are we going to be able to eliminate it? Probably not. But it's still in our duty to be able to share that with the hiring managers that we should not be doing this so shelly another great episode of the recruitment flex you are gone to germany and kim wilkinson will be joining me next week so it should be a way better episode than usual so please come in and listen but shelly enjoy your time in germany with all the men and your kids i guess too
1: it's gonna be wonderful thank you serge and we'll talk soon
0: we'll talk soon
1: To learn more and book a demo, visit www.rectxt.com, mention the Recruitment Flex, and get 10% off annual plans.
0: Do you love news about LinkedIn, Indeed, Google, and just about every other recruitment tech company out there? Hell yeah.